Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If you are, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has tons of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you, along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours too. So do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 179 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for, uh, what, Tuesday, March 3rd? You know, Mm -hmm. who the fuck even knows anymore? I don't even know with this podcast anymore, people, you know? We just do it when we do it now. (laughs) We try to get it out, but honestly, it's like, I'm tired of the excuses I keep giving. It's like, at this point, you get it when you get it, um... You know, the as my band becomes more and more of a priority, my time is being devoted more and more to that. So um, it's not as important for me anymore to always have the podcast out on the same exact day, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm just being honest. The band is more important to me, although I do love this podcast and I do not take it for granted. Um, the band is what I'm going to be spending, you know, most of my time on, so... We're going to try to pop these out weekly, but I mean, Mike's super busy with like what he's been doing as well. And, uh, you know, it just seems like um, life has picked up a bit more. So, uh, I mean, by no means are we ending it or anything like that. But no, not uh, at all. Yeah, I'm just I'm just tired of um, feeling pressure to get it out a certain time every week. You know, it's like this this podcast needs to be fun for me to want to do it. And if I'm feeling like it's like a homework assignment, then I'm not really going to want to do it. Um, yeah, we definitely don't want that, and I'm pretty sure uh, our audience doesn't either. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's going to be a flexible schedule. That's that's really what it is. Yeah, because going forward, you know, um, and there's a lot of other podcasts that do that. They have flexible schedules. I've seen podcasts that don't even do podcasts for like two weeks. I and wish, then come man, back and I, I wish we had done biweekly so bad. Like when we first started out, like I wish we had just done. We'd have more cases. I know, <laughs> I know, and I was honestly a bit more eager to talk about those cases. You know, now that my my fingers are stubby and bloody from scraping the bottom of the barrel <laughs> for getting splinters in my fingers from the bottom of the barrel. Um, it's, you know, we're having a really struggle to, you know, pull things out to talk. I mean, uh, this all sounds like I'm like, told, I, guys, forgive me. People I'm, are just like, boo, I'm fucking, bullshit. I'm sluggish <laughs> right now. I'm hungover. Um, I had my typical karaoke night last night, drank a lot of beer, whatever, uh, mowed the, my lawn today and in my infinite wisdom. I thought, oh, well, you know. I should do this because, you know, at least I'll be doing something productive while I'm not feeling great. And, you know, what little effort that took, I think it took me like maybe 30, 40 minutes. Uh, that was kind of that like expended what what little energy I had today. And now I'm just like a goblin just <laughs> perched up here trying to be as comfortable. Being a gargoyle. Whatever. So yeah, Mike, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he's turned to stone already, or he's already in the process of turning to stone. So um, I, I'm doing all right. Uh, a little bit, 
have some little bit extra stress going on because there was a faculty member at my college who was uh, apparently exposed to a family member of his or hers that had has a coronavirus. Uh, they did not test positive, but the thing is with this virus, it's kind of hard to tell in the initial stages. It, it's incubation period, and it's uh, also a transmission period seemed to be different than uh, SARS or some of these other similar viruses. So, what's the, uh, what's the big deal about this virus? I heard it's it's like a little worse than the flu. It, it kind of is, but it just depends on who gets it. Uh, it's one of those things that depends on your immune system. It depends on how old you are. It depends on a bunch of different factors. Uh, so it's pretty but, much just like the flu, because the flu works that way too. It, it it's really bad for elderly people, yeah, and kids. But even worse, like the the risk of uh, I, I think uh, death or some sort of serious uh, complications are a little bit higher than the normal flu. But the flu still kills a lot of people all over the world. Yeah, fifty nine thousand people a year. Yeah, it kills a lot of people all over the world. You don't hear about that in the news though, because uh, you know that's old. That's old news. They need something new and well, yeah. so, new and salacious. You know, but I, it's st- it's still it's still it's a little bit it's just, it's a little bit stressful because you have the whole sort of uh, six people have already died in Washington State. Yeah, they're probably old. I don't know for sure, and they're not revealing exactly what it is. But it's just one of those things where even if it is. It's still death. It's, and it's a virus. It's, it's media. It's a new virus. Media bullshit is all it is. There's nothing eh. else going on in the world right now that that they can talk about. So they're pulling this out of their ass. Eh, I don't necessarily look at it like that because the CDC seems to be taking it pretty seriously. As they should, but, but the media doesn't have to like freak the fuck out and do the whole sky is falling. Well, shit. yeah, yeah, I know that. I, I definitely agree with that. But I'm just saying, and, and it's just it's different when. It's close to home, even if it is like not really that serious because of what you think, you know, because of the potential worst case scenario, you get a little paranoid. It's kind of like if you watch an episode on Unsolved Mysteries about someone who's walking alone at night and gets kidnapped or whatever or something like that uh, or gets uh, accosted at gunpoint while they're at the ATM, you you kind of have those thoughts that creep in. Yeah. That little extra bit of stress. Even though, you know, when you sit down and you think about it, it's probably bullshit, or there's no reason to be that stressed out about it. But when it actually happens in your on campus, it just gets a little, uh, you know, things kind of change. Yeah, and then no, it, it doesn't help either that. that you have your, your professors and other students that are talking about it. You got professors stop in class to talk 30 minutes about precautions and all this other stuff. So it's just, it's a little bit different when it's happening, like in your bubble, when it's happening out, when it, when it happens outside of your bubble and you're just watching it on TV or you're like, Oh, some, someone got the Ebola virus in San Francisco or whatever. It's not really the same sort of thing. This is almost like the, uh, the, 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 the 90 degrees of Kevin Bacon, but with the coronavirus, it's like, I know someone who lives in Washington whose professor's family member got the coronavirus, like, or 360 degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, but I mean, it just, it's, when you hear things like they closed down their office and and deep cleaned it, 
You know, that's the kind of stuff that you normally don't hear about when it comes to any other illness or so on and so forth. The only coronavirus I suffer from comes with a lime. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was the creep. Uh, spe- that was the creepiest laugh I've, that you've ever done, Mike. I was trying to do a fake laugh, oh, but that didn't it, work out. It sounded like a like a, a a trickle of of laugh coming out of a dead person, <laughs> like a dead person's final laugh. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you're not the first person to make that joke, and apparently Corona, the beer company themselves, are, like, suffering a, a loss in sales right That's now. It's so because stupid of the that people would, like, oh, God, people are so dumb. Just because it's named the same thing, oh, it must have some association I know. So stupid. I mean, we're talking about people who bought into a guy who coughed on people and made noises and moved his hands around. Talking about the same kind of people who bought into this guy being a bio healer. Yes. He's a fucking X Man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, That does sound like some X Men, and that would be like their mutant power. Uh, We're talking about quacks on this episode and a little bit of mur- yes. murder at the end for uh you know good measure um yafim shubinstov is the first person we're gonna be talking about he's an immigrant from moscow russia also known as the mad russian which is an oxymoron like why is he called the mad russian like isn't that a negative connotation he's supposed to be this helpful immigrant who's healing people and his name is the Mad Russian. Wasn't that wasn't that a subtitle for Rasputin or some shit? Like, and he was like an evil sorcerer. I'm sure <laughs> like, um, <laughs> there there were several Cold War era propaganda films where uh, you know that had Mad Russian in the title. Um, but yes, probably every Russian in Red Dawn was was a Mad Russian. <laughs> It's a shame that Russia is like uh, apparently uh, in interfering in our politics or whatever. If if that yeah. if that is true, because their women are fucking hot. Well, this is one thing I'll say about <laughs> Russian women: they're either some of the most beautiful chicks in the world, or they are they butt ugly. There is like nowhere in between with with the Russian women. Um, I the, I've always been attracted to uh, the Russian women. They are beautiful. Um, so do you want a Russian uh, mail order bride? <laughs> um, no, because they're marrying out of desperation i think and i think they have this perception that american men are a certain way and i don't want to do that because i saw an episode of a tlc show i forgot exactly what it was was some kind of think i saw that matchmaking show or whatever and the guy got this uh russian lady to come in and she just used him and was just a straight up gold digging whore gold digging whore yeah and the guy because he's I, I, essentially he's portrayed as a nerd who lives in his his mom's basement you know this is a hot russian girl and so he's trying to do whatever he can to oh yeah get her to stay. okay now i know which one you're talking about yeah i saw that yeah wasn't that on h3 h3's uh channel yeah i think so yeah 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 yeah, the thing about back when he actually made some content know, that was worth watching, I or actually made content. Period. Instead of that fucking podcast, which is so 
annoyingly. He's been he's been putting his foot in his mouth repeatedly lately too with that podcast. Oh, like a lot of even more savory uh, personality traits have been coming out more. Oh wow! I thought he had like turned the ship around at one point. I guess he's fucking up again. Well, time for me to make another video. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that video I made is like one of my most popular videos to date. Um, yeah, the problem with the Russian mail order bride thing, too, is like I, I'm not going to marry anyone whose uh, first language isn't English unless I don't know. There's just so many like uh, and this are like 11 out of 10 on the hotness scale. <laughs> no, there's just like so many like complex feelings and emotions and words that I need to use to describe myself on a daily basis. I need someone who like understands like 95 percent of the language you don't have to understand every word i use but i need someone oh, okay. who i can very clearly communicate with and i feel like with people who um speak another language um especially those russian chicks the male or chicks their english is usually never very good because if it was then they could probably find someone on their own without having to go through one of those services but uh i, I just couldn't i've had friends like i i I didn't date this girl who was from Russia, but I hung out with her and we, you know, kind of fooled around a few times. And uh -huh. um, her English, like, wasn't very good. And it was just really frustrating to have, like, any kind of meaningful conversation with her because, like, she understood, like, basic, you know, feelings. But, like, as soon as I, I wanted to talk about anything complex, I think I, I saw that I lost her. And, you yeah. know, these people aren't going to, like, stop you and be like, hey, what's that word mean? They're just going to no. they're, they're gonna act like they know what you're talking about, but they don't. And that's so really frustrating. It's one me. of those things where you feel like if you had a companion like that, it would be very difficult for you to uh, relate or to emote effectively because you'd be worried about things not coming across the way you would, would personally like. Yeah, and I mean, that's not even... And that just adds extra stress to... The relationship. That's not even counting like misunderstandings, you know, like them yeah, that's what understanding about, something a different way than what you even meant it. Yeah. So I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Um, I'm, I feel you on that. I think it's ultimately it's a communication thing. It's not, it's just, and I honestly think that's what a relationship is. It's more than just physical attraction. You see, people, I'm much deeper than what I came across as like five minutes ago when I said Russian women are hot. Uh, I, I, I'm all about the communication, ladies. So, if you're out there, communicate with me. I don't know why. No, listen. I don't know why I had to whisper it like that. That was weird. Anyway, let's go back to this guy that we got incredibly sidetracked <laughs> from. Um, A mad Russian. So he came to Boston, Massachusetts in 1980. And he was claiming to be a bioenergy healer. <laughs> just like with any other kind of like brand marketing, you can just make shit up and it doesn't have to mean anything, you know? pretty much what this was no one knows what the fuck biohealing is and it's and it's it was proven to not even be a scientific thing surprise surprise on that one so he's using this bioenergy to help people overcome various addictions such as smoking drinking overeating he's also helped people with chronic pains and phobias such as heights needles and flying and so here's what he does because <laughs> they show footage of him i think i don't think it's an actor doing it remember correctly yeah no they show wrong, footage though. of him he basically it's kind of like uh therapeutic touch because unsolved mysteries yeah. did a segment on therapeutic touch and uh it's it's basically he just puts his hands all around the person and and does these like very forceful looking gestures and he kind of like blows on them or or what people was, ah yeah he like, 
what people, I guess, <laughs> playfully or, you know, heartwarmingly say that uh, he sneezes on them or jokingly or whatever word I'm looking mm. for. And uh, after he does that, then it's like, uh, bam, you know, you're you're all good to go. He's like a magician, like with his sleight of hand, just going, ooh, moving his hands around. You expect him to pull out some uh, napkins or something, you know, the <laughs> out of his, out of his, uh, the arm of his uh, shirt. Just starts pulling out all these fucking handkerchiefs, chiffs. Yeah, so here's some celebrities that you will now look at differently for how stupid they are for going to this guy. Billy Joel, Drew Barrymore, David Arquette, Courtney Cox. Uh, yeah, Courtney Cox doesn't really seem... Right? <clears throat> um, I don't know. I've never met her. Isn't it Courtney Cox? Isn't that the one that uh, dated Cobain? No, it's Courtney Love. Courtney Love. Sorry. Courtney Cox actually was married to David Arquette. Oh, she was the friends lady or whatever yeah. friends go. Yeah, if it was Courtney Love, then yeah, I would have been right there. With, <laughs> I would have been right there with you on that one. <laughs> you would just been like Courtney Love. Eh. Yeah, she's a fucking dope. I can, I've seen enough about her in the media to make that assessment. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So yeah, with a mere wave of his hand, he can apparently change a person forever. He claimed that he received the bioenergy when he was young, a young man in Russia. A paranormal researcher told him that he had a high energy field. The researcher convinced him to come to his laboratory to complete some tests. While there, he discovered that he could bring plants back to life and cure pains from migraine headaches. <laughs> Which sounds like... It, that's such bullshit. Like That sounds so made up, so fabricated. It sounds like he read it in a comic book. That's what I mean by an X-Man. It sounds like an X, an origin for uh, an X man, but not, but not nearly as cool as Colossus or Omega Red, which were both Russian X Men. No, which are both some of my all. favorite X Men. Colossus can turn his skin into metal, and Omega Red does it. Doesn't he have like a? Ome- I think Omega Red was like a fucking failed science experiment. Yeah, he, I think he has like these tendrils. Yeah, or something he can that come out he can of his wrists. Make tendrils come out of his wrists and do all kinds of shit. He can electrocute you with them. He can slap, bitch, slap you with them. He can suck your energy away. He was a bad. Can you imagine if it was just like bringing pants back to life, curing pains from migraine headaches? It would. Be uh, like, it would oh. be comparable to Jubilee's dinky powers of being able to shoot fireworks <laughs> out of her hands. But she can actually increase the power of those fireworks, at least, and make them actually do some damage. <laughs> this guy could just bring plants back to life. If I'm not mistaken, I think Jubilee was just made up for the uh, TV show. She wasn't actually in the uh, comics. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I think that is the case, but I don't know 100% for sure either. But, but I know she was added to the comics at one yeah, particular point Yeah, after time. the fact. Just like Harley Quinn was created for the animated series. Harley Quinn was not a character in the comics before her appearance in Batman the Animated Series. But do you think that's going to stop every single woman from dressing like her on Halloween? Absolutely not. (laughs) But I'm just saying, it's not... It's technically a cartoon character. That's where it started. It started as an animated character and then became a comic book character. Yeah, sadly, people don't care about those details. They're like, she looks cool and she's a badass. (laughs) <laughs> I want to dress like a slut and carry around a bat and act like I'm a little dangerous too with a shirt that says "Daddy's a little slut" or whatever her shirt says. So, so, so here, some, some, some women can absolutely 100% pull that off. Other women, I'm sorry, they can't. 
let's just be honest here. Like, just not, it's not try to dress like that when you're, it, it when you're, you can't even really fit into the costume. It, it's, it's just not, I, I just don't, at least, at least wear one where it, it actually fits you properly. Um, like, if you're going to go with that, go for that. But don't do the, like, wear, you know, too small and then all the folds are everywhere and it's just snow. It's not attractive for you. It's not attractive for anyone else, and it's just, it's just, it's just bad for both parties. Including Mike, you know, parties. you know, in this in this world, you you're not allowed to say things like that anymore, right? You're not allowed to say that uh, wearing two sizes too small and having your fat rolls pop out is disgusting. You're not allowed to have that opinion anymore. You you officially body shamed so many people just then. Yeah, <laughs> and he doesn't seem that bothered by it as. As as he shouldn't be. Um. Anyway, are you bothered by it? No, I was just I was just pointing out how ridiculous as we've gotten as a society. Um. Anyway, uh, two Harvard physicians ran a formal medical trial with Yafim. They had him work with several patients that had various phobias. The physicians watched him during his sessions. He was able to cure at least eighty five percent of the patients. They concluded that his powers are genuine and that he really helped the patients. However, skeptics believe that any benefits from Yahim's quote-unquote healings are mainly just placebo effects. Yeah, During, that's, it's the epitome of a placebo effect. Yeah, they just tell, they tell these patients what they want to hear. They're already to the point where they're desperate enough to go to this mad Russian with bioenergy powers to heal whatever affliction they're dealing with. So they just convince themselves that it's real. And he actually did something. It's the same thing as faith healers. Right. It's the exact same thing. They do this whole hand show, like to give essentially give people a hand job, but in a different way. <laughs> There's nothing sexual about it, but it's a job that they do with their hands. And oh, they're healed. But it's just a placebo effect. I want to see these individuals and hear their thoughts. After the fact, like now, if they're still alive to hear if these if this cure lasted or not. Right. Yeah, well, you had uh, that Michael Shermer guy from Skeptic Magazine on the segment. And I'm I swear to God, this guy is like their go to Unsolved Mysteries go to in-house skeptic. Like he's on every paranormal segment. He's on every like religious miracle segment it seems like this guy is just always the damn uh the wet noodle or the wet blanket that has to shut down everyone's magical uh mystical theories which you know good like i'm glad that they have it but well especially with this kind of thing like even if there was a harvard study harvard and other universities they've done studies on placebo effects before and they probably might have come up with similar results Oh, this whole sham relies heavily upon the person who is there in the room. They're desperate enough to be there, and so it's not that far-fetched to assume that mentally they're so desperate for a cure that they are gullible enough to buy into this bullshit, and then in the process buy into it so much that it becomes reality. Right. 
Um, and they bring up a couple examples, and they don't really help the the case, if you ask me, in terms of the skepticism of this case. You know, the 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 whole thing about this segment is like unsolved mysteries is kind of got, they they paint it to where like it's real. They want it to be real. They oh, yeah. yeah, they do have the skeptic at the end of the segment and all, but like you can tell that the even Robert Stack at the end says, "Oh, it's an unsolved mystery." I'm like, "No, it's not. It's it's just a placebo effect. It's bullshit." Shame on you, Stack. Well, it's like <laughs> that. That's that was kind of their the you know the show was like one quarter you know uh, um, and not NPR um, coast to coast AM you know one quarter murders one quarter. Lost yeah, loves in one quarter. But you, you know, could tell at this particular point in time with a bioenergy healer, they were running uh, empty on um, unexplained. Yeah, because the therapeutic <laughs> touch was to later on in the in the series as well, which is also I think a bullshit. Um, as far as any healing that happens, I think it's 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 like the same premise. You know, you're using some kind of bio energy when really it is a completely a placebo effect which so, you know if it works and yeah. more power to you i mean yeah more power to you but let's just be honest it's a placebo effect that's all it is right uh so there are some case files you want to talk about the cases that were so covered? yeah miranda beeson a successful new york businesswoman was unable to quit smoking, and she was funny in the segment. She's like, I loved smoking. I love smoking cigarettes. I smoked m- many great cigarettes. I won't name the brand, but, yeah, I just thought that was a really, like, weird... I love many great cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I've smoked many great cigarettes. I thought that was a very uh, bizarre <laughs> sentence, just in general. Like, sounds like something Donald Trump would say. Like, oh, I love smoking. I've smoked great... I- There's some great cigarettes I've smoked. I've smoked many great cigarettes. He, like, has a tendency to... yeah. He's not very good at like uh, overemphasize things. Like like he uh, he he loves throwing around the term good and great and bad and terrible. Like he, yeah. he's not the most uh, versatile person with his vocabulary. He's not the most eloquent. No, not at all. Guy out there. But anyway, uh, but- um, she went to Boston to meet with Yafim for a session. After she joined a dozen others from a group session. Afterwards, she and Yafim had a one-on-one session. She felt he had used his energy to help remove her pain after her session her desire for cigarettes disappeared then you got what do you think about that why do you why do you think her desire for cigarettes just vanished with the flick of yafim's hand because she already wanted to quit and she just needed like an outside you know uh suggestion that she believed in to yeah i think the outside suggestion is a big thing because he's this alternative healer He's using a form that she's not familiar with to cure her. She probably has gone to therapy before and done all this other stuff and it hasn't worked. So, and she hasn't really bothered to try to find another therapist. That's usually kind of the thing that happens here. Oh, I've tried therapy. I've tried a diet. I've tried a nutritionist and none of it works. And a lot of it is them. They aren't really trying hard enough to find the right therapist or the right dietitian, or they're they're not sticking with the diet enough. So that's the reason why it's not working. So I could see someone like Miranda who's like, "Oh, I've tried to. I want to quit smoking, but everything I've tried has failed." She has this uh, 
already has this preconceived notion about therapy or any other form of quitting smoking that she's tried before. So she just goes to this guy and because it's an outside source, like you said, and she's not familiar with it, it somehow clicks in her brain and uh, it, it works. Um, cause she doesn't have that pre- preconceived notion in her head anymore. The, the quitting smoking thing kind of reminds me, there's a horror film called Cat's Eye and it's based on short stories by Stephen King. And one of the stor- short stories is called Quitters Inc. It's a really good segment and James Woods is in it. And the whole thing is James Woods. He goes to this, this Quitters Inc to quit smoking because he's heard it's really successful. And the catch with Quitters Inc is it's run by gangsters who just through intimidation and torture get you to stop smoking. So like they kidnap your wife and keep her hostage. They follow you around as well as your kids. You know, they always have these people on the inside who if you cheat, they're going to see it. He thinks he's going to get away with cheating and smoking, like hiding his cigarette when he's like stalled in his car while a bridge he's waiting for a bridge to go to to uh, go down and because the bridge went up for maintenance or whatever and so he's waiting for it to to go back down and he thinks he can sneak it because he thinks there's no one watching him but there was somebody watching him are you giving us a synopsis of this movie now instead of talking about this russian guy no no it's it's just uh I'm, it's ties into the into the quitting smoking thing because it's a similar kind of just uh alternative way of quitting that that works because people are forced to buy into it. But th- this is a, a non-violent form of that. Okay. Yeah. Then we had uh, Louise Cole, is a single mother from Florida who began to overeat after her children became ill. She felt that the food helped comfort her when dealing with her children's medical problems. She saw, tried several diets. Like and and then the diets that she lists were like the most '90s fad diets. Watermelon, the watermelon <laughs> diet, the grapefruit diet, like all these diets that have long been. I just thought of the Weird Al song, grapefruit. Oh yeah, diet, I know. That's, I what, I, I, that's all I could think of is when I heard that. Um, but um, anyway, those diets didn't work. And they and they show her. There's a reenactment, I think, with her where she's in a dark room. You know, it's late one night, and she's talking about how she would buy a box of chocolates and she would be like, oh, I would just look at the box of chocolates and I would grab the one that that I, I liked the most first. And I thought, you know, maybe, oh, I'd eat that one and then save one others for later, but I would eat the whole box. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was she's, sad, she was like talking this- about how like instead of, you know, drinking or you know, just letting herself go nuts or whatever. She would, she would basically just binge on these like, and they showed the box and those, those, those Russell Stover uh, yeah. chocolates that they sell. Your, I fucking love those things, by the way. But I, uh-huh. I stay away from them because they're so fattening. Like two pieces are like 150 calories. Like two fucking pieces. Yeah. And she was eating a box. Yeah. So like, that was probably constantly. like that was probably I don't know. God knows. Like probably like a, a 1500 to 2000 calories yeah. per box. So was my thing. With this particular case, she's talking about how I tried all these diets and none of them worked. Well, probably she didn't stay on one diet for long enough for them to work. She probably had unrealistic 
ideals of how soon she was going to lose weight, which seems to happen a lot of time when people go on diets. They seem to think if they go on a diet, they're going to lose like 10 pounds in like two weeks. It's not the case at all. Well, if you stick to the diet with, you know, initially you will lose a lot well, of weight, yeah. but what happens is your body gets used to it and you plateau and you stop that losing. Yes. You stop losing as much weight or any weight at all. And then frustration can set in and just, you know, staying true to the diet in general is hard for a lot of people. So what they do well, yeah. is is they start cheating here and there. And then before you know it, they're not on the diet. And, and you know, that's why diets are, are bullshit. I mean, this well, is... I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think diets are bullshit. It's a combination of diets and exercise. I've, like, you have to combine those two together. When they say diet, I, I when they say diet and exercise, they mean diet in, in reference to what you're eating every day, not you are eating a reduced... Uh, well, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, changing your diet. Because there, there is, there's two different, you know, terminologies with diet. Yeah, diet as in going on a, you know, reduced calorie yeah. or different food thing in order to lose weight, and then diet in the sense of what you just eat every day. Well, I, I think if you're morbidly obese, like, that's how you should start, is, like, the reduced calorie diet, and then go from there. Uh, once you reach the plateau point, then just change things around and just eat less calories. Uh, maybe more healthier, you know, fats. The way or, I lost or, weight was like slowly cutting out uh, just nonsense calories, like for yeah. instance, like soda. Um, exactly. Just switching to water, and that's all you do. Literally, do everything else the same way, because that way it's not a shock to your your system. You do it all mm-hmm. gradually. You don't take every, see. That's why diets suck because they make you take everything away right away. Like with the the keto diet is very yeah. trendy now, and I, I, to my knowledge, it's like low carbohydrates or no yeah. carbohydrates. It's like if you go from eating a shit ton of carbohydrates to none, you're gonna you're gonna be in such shock. Yeah. You're gonna be pissed off first of all because there's so much shit you can't eat. And it's you're not going to stick to it. That's the thing about diets. You don't fucking so, stick yeah. to it. I think I think you know, I think it just depends on the person. So there are some people where, you know, the gradual over time would be the best option, but for others that are just overeating, like I don't really think, you know, they need to curb something and they need to curb it like as soon as possible. So that's kind of the the it's, the, it's an extreme option, but it's really that it's it, they're in a situation where that's necessary. But I think what's also incredibly important is therapy, because a lot of the overeating, a lot of the, a lot of that is tied into emotional or psychological issues. If you don't get those taken care of, then you're still gonna you're gonna overeat again, or the diet's never gonna work, or all this. It's just you have to get that in order. You have to get your mind in order in order to get your body in order. And I, from what I'm hearing from Louise in this segment, she didn't mention anything about therapy. She was just talking about how I was overeating and I was upset because my children were ill. And so I just focused on eating to take my mind off of that. And that's in a, that's a definite uh, coping mechanism that's related to a stress that she's dealing with. But she just goes to this faith healer, this mad Russian who goes... Ah, it coughs on her <laughs> and moves some shit around that I guess moves the air around her. And now she's like, I, I, you know, I don't need to do go to therapy. I don't need to do any of that. And I'm feeling fine. And she's talking about how much weight she's losing. 
And, I, and I'm like, how long did this last? Like, how long did this truly last? Right. Before her own brain finally is like, eh, I'm not buying into that bullshit anymore. The placebo effect doesn't have an effect. It lasts as long as, you know, until, and, and it's, I don't know, man, food, food addiction's rough. Like, coming from someone who yeah. used to be quite overweight, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know from firsthand experience, how it, you know, it's an everyday battle. Um, oh, absolutely. Much like drug, uh, beating yeah, drug like addiction. drug or alcohol. Yeah, it's it's an everyday struggle. The thing, the crazy thing about food is you you have to eat. It's not like you have to drink alcohol to survive, you know. With, with yeah. food, it's like you have to eat, so it's like... Uh, it's a constant temptation. Yeah, it's a constant temptation, especially if you let yourself get overly hungry. That's when you start really start making dumb choices and you overeat. I mean, I, I mean that happens to me all the time. Thankfully, I ate before this podcast, so hopefully that won't be a issue but uh <laughs> so anyway um you know what's your final thoughts on the mad russian well um we do have some uh uh testimonies we want to share too before we get to the yeah my final thoughts is that it's uh all placebo effect and it, and not only that but you know shame on this guy for uh preying on people who are vulnerable or who have real problems and taking their fucking money and you know, I mean, he, he. This is what he does for a living. So of course he's talking a good game. He's he's bought into his own bullshit hook, line, and sinker, and I, gu- I guess that's the only way that he can, you know, take these people's money with good conscience is to tell himself, "Oh no, I'm doing, I'm doing a service for these people. I really can heal them and all this other kind of crap." That's what most quacks do. That's what every quack does. <laughs> yeah, buys their own. Bullshit. And uh, apparently. Uh, there, it isn't all positive with uh, with uh, Yefim. So we were able to pull up some uh, Yelp reviews of this guy, and uh, you know, unsolved mysteries can paint him in in a in the uh, a realistic light all they want, like oh, this is real and all that. But um, some of these Yelp reviews are pretty much what exactly what I expected. They're unfiltered. <laughs> yeah, um, they're pretty much exactly what I expected. Uh, for for a situation like this, because apparently he's still doing this as of you know now modern times, even though this segment was way back when. Um. All right, so we can read some of these here. Yeah. Um. So the first one is, do not give this man your do not give your money to this man. Threatened me, was extremely rude to my mother and me. We both left in tears. Complete scam. Does not hypnotize, just uses the power of suggestion, rambled for two hours in which no one could understand his thick accent while making hand motions to get rid of people's pain, individually has you close your eyes and envision the words, I am smoking, and raise your hand. He makes a whoosh noise and whooshes away your vices, depression, and anxiety. Left and went back after smoking on the way to the train. After talking to the receptionist, realized that I was supposed to envision the words, I am smoking, not envision yourself smoking. Went in to talk to Yafim, who became irate and yelled at me that I just don't care about anything. I'm going to die, that he wanted to strangle me, throw me out the window, that if I was his daughter, he would shoot me, then shoot himself. Oh my God. Yeah, real nice guy. I was completely shocked. He then stormed out to the front desk, giving us our money back. Obviously left feeling terrible, wanting to smoke more than before. At least we got our money back, but would pay to not have had such a terrible experience. There is no magic cure, at least not from this weasel. You have to want it, put in the work, and quit for yourself. Yes. That's good advice. 
I love how he calls him a weasel. Yeah. Like, doesn't go any further than that, even though, like, he was a total fucking douchebag and asshole to him. It was a she. He's just... Oh, she. Sorry. But, uh, yeah. All right, you read the next one. He lies. I went with a group of co-workers in 1990. All of us still smoked. No one bothered to go back for another visit. It is a waste of money. He doesn't follow up, follow up with anyone, so he has no idea what the success rate is. My group was six people from work. I've spoken to others who also went there, and they continued to smoke. Also, no follow-up with the doctor, so it is not a great success rate. The only ones that seem to work for eight the few who leave the comments. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Yafim is a complete crock. Everyone in my group was almost laughing at what a joke the whole thing was. He puffed our depression and thoughts of smoking away. Says he, uh, says he has quote-unquote energy. I mean, telling people to get off their meds, but then tell them you're not telling them to get off their meds, but tell them they don't need them is really dangerous for suggestibles. Quote, it doesn't solve your problems. End quote. I wouldn't recommend this to my worst enemy. A complete waste of $85. $85? Fuck. I read all the reviews here first before posting this. Like others have said, I had a very hard time trying to understand the mad Russian to the point I was getting a headache from concentrating so hard on what he was jabbering. I did get the lecture that the doctors are killing the youth of America with ADD diagnoses and drug treatments for same. I didn't care... I, I was there to quit smoking. 35 minutes into this, I figured I wasted $75 and $4 to park, but I hung in hoping the, the, that uh, the one-on-one would be the cure. Not so. Same thing. I couldn't understand a damn thing he was saying, and it lasted 20 seconds at best. No miracle cure for Jeez, me. Jesus, is this mad Russian, a Scientologist with uh, trash in the uh, ADD and uh, drug treatments? I mean, I, I mean, yeah, you know, we are overprescribed in this country, but some people legitimately need certain medications. Well, yeah, and he's probably doing that to keep peddling his bullshit to prop himself up. I highly don't recommend this person as an aid to quitting any addiction. His shtick, sweet older man, thick Russian accent who talks very, very fast. Most of us didn't understand 95% of what he said, and there were close to 30 people in the room for one hour, followed by less than one minute on each individual, one-on-one. This was a very disappointing and silly experience. There were some very desperate people in this room who had probably tried everything to quit smoking, drinking, or drugs. I feel Mr. Shabenstov continues to take advantage of distressed people who have tried everything to help themselves and feels he is their last and only hope. In a nutshell, 30... Per- 30 people at 75 each times three sessions in one day, $6,750 U.S. cash. When somebody tells you he's not doing it for the money, you know he's doing it for the money. I traveled from Toronto to Boston. I feel like a fool. Man. It's unfortunate that, you know, he's not the saintly figure that he's painted out to be in, in this segment. I mean, it's, you know, people who are already open to believing this shit, it's kind of on them, too, because it's like, if you are dumb enough to think that this stuff actually works, then it's like, that's on you at that point. Yeah. If you give these people your money, there are always going to be these kind of people out there who are more than willing to take your money. And it's your job to do your due diligence and not give that to them. So Exactly. But desperation does that. 
Desperation makes you do crazy things that you might not have done otherwise. Indeed. And we got and we got another quack. Directly, yes, we got another quack, a second quack. Um, this quack is uh, Gregory Earl Kaplinger. And uh, the difference between him and the Mad Russian is that this quack masqueraded as a doctor and was prescribing experimental treatments that actually killed people. So the mad Russian, he's a fraudster. He's lame. He's breaking the law, manipulating people for financial gain. It's not a good person, but he's not killing people. Right. So there's that, uh, uh, you know, but I mean, that's not a very high bar. You know, it's a pretty low bar to get over. Hey, at least I haven't oh, killed you're... anyone. <laughs> you could just be like, at least I haven't killed anyone. It's like, well, maybe you have because you might have done the whole cure thing and it doesn't work and then they die. I mean, but... I, I haven't killed anybody uh, practicing optometry, but does that mean I'm a good optometrist? Uh, no. no, I've never done it, but I haven't killed anyone doing it. So... This was also a segment from a later season. This is actually from season 11. This segment, I thought, did a great job creating the setting of this particular uh, fraudster's hospital. Yeah, it, so I loved the uh, dilapidated uh, hospital look. Mm -hmm. So when Helen Root was diagnosed with third stage colon cancer in 1999, she began searching for a medical miracle. She believed she found one in Dr. Gregory Kaplinger, an accomplished physician and the accomplished should have air quotes around it because he doesn't have any accomplishments well he accomplished when to you, scam people yeah when you see a brochure for a doctor that has like every accolade known to man your red flag should immediately be popping up especially when that doctor is wanting you to fly to south america yeah to do his uh his his quackery in, in secret without the FDA yes. over his shoulder. So Helen and her husband, William, mortgaged their home for the $40,000 that she needed for the experimental drug remedy for her cancer. I mean, people like this Kaplinger guy are just some of the worst fucking scum out there. They're right up there on the same level as, of course, you know, a murderer, a uh, rapist. And, uh, in my opinion, also trying to think of the other one I was trying to, oh, oh yeah, uh, a pedophile. They're all, they're all just equal levels of scum, if you ask me, because they cause so much damage, uh, and, uh, other, other individuals, they might kill someone physically, but there's a lot of these individuals that they kill someone emotionally, psychologically, uh, and uh, just break a lot of people's trust, and then there's something they'll never get back. And also take their money. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Dr. Kaplinger, who had a resume filled with a long and impressive list of medical schools, including Harvard, I mean, that, that's honestly really <laughs> suspicious. I, 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 I went to Harvard, Yale... I know. That's that's like that's how I know someone's cheating whenever I'm hosting trivia is when they get every single question right. It's like, come on, man, that's not how you cheat. Everyone knows 
that the way to not get caught cheating is to not over overdo it. Don't get greedy. Don't make yourself have every answer correct. I'm obviously going to that's going to spike my suspicions that you're cheating, you know, because nobody gets every answer right. Just like no doctor is going to be like, oh, I went to Harvard, Yale, uh, Joseph and Mary University or whatever. Uh, William and Mary uh, <laughs> and Brown and Dartmouth. You know, it's just like you, 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 you got greedy with your accolades there, buddy. Exactly. I had to bust some lady for cheating uh, last Thursday at Trivia. She had her yeah. she had her kids turning in the answers. And then like my final. Ooh. Yeah. My final question was you had to put in order which uh, these prescription drugs, the the year they came out, uh, earliest to most recent. And the choices were Xanax, um, Viagra, and OxyContin. And I saw the glow of uh, a cell phone on this lady's face from the table she was sitting at. And I snuck up behind her, and sure enough, she was looking it up on her phone. And I was like, hey, I was like, you looking up the answers there? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, you're disqualified. And she's like, oh, man. I was like, it's like, yeah, what do you think, lady? Like everyone's here is trying to play a fair game and you're over here looking everything up. I was glad that I caught her because I I suspected that she was cheating. But, you know, since she had her kids with her, I didn't want to like go up in front of her kids and, you know, confront her. But I went. When I caught it red-handed, it was pretty hard for her to deny it. But yeah, anyway, as you were saying. Yeah, so Dr. Kaplinger, if that is even really actually his real name, he would administer these treatments. Uh, According to his brochure uh, that he probably made in Photoshop or some sort of equivalent, the Santo Domingo Clinic was a world-class facility. At this facility, his remedy, a drug cocktail called Imustem, didn't need FDA approval. He claimed that it could fight many diseases, including AIDS, hepatitis, and cancer. Which, another red flag. Like, if you, oh, oh, this mysterious drug that the FDA is not approving, it'll cure all your diseases. It's like fucking Jim Baker with this silver solution that he's peddling right now. He's even saying dangerous things like, Oh, so you're telling me that the silver solution will even cure the coronavirus? <laughs> it's like, you don't drink silver. Like, don't do it. It's, it's, it's bad for you. Just stop. Why would anybody believe his bullshit after what happened with, with, with uh, Tammy Faye and his whole ministry? I think there's like a group, a small group of people who are of that mind, like, oh, everything in the mainstream is a lie and, and the government's fooling us and it's and the real solutions are, you know, are, are, are suppressed because the government doesn't want us to know and all that. I think there's a cluster of people like that out oh, there yeah. who view Jim Baker as like, you know, oh, he's got the real answers that the government doesn't want you to know about, man, like just paranoid, uh-huh. crazy people pretty much. Probably felt the same. Probably would feel the same way about Dr. Kaplinger. Uh, so Helen was uh, glad to arrive at the clinic until she realized that it was not as high class as it seemed. Definitely not. It looked like a shack. <laughs> it was a medical shack. It was like a hospital if the power had been shut off for like a year yeah. and like plants and bugs were able to start uh-huh. like seeping their way through the cracks and like taking and she was even saying like uh, i know actually the other gal that they talk about she was even talking about how like there was barely any running water most of the time or electricity and again 
if you are stupid enough to walk into that facility and deal with that, then that's on you. And anything bad that yeah. happens to you is on you. Well, I get yes, but at the same time, the person who's perpetuating the scam is also you, you got to use a little bit of that deductive gray matter, you know, those the, oh, yeah. the, the, between your ears, you know, some of that deductive it, reasoning. But like I said, it's hard to do that when you're in desperation mode. It's easy to say like, oh, think it through, don't do that when you're not in that 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 uh, mode of desperation. So, um, but I, I get you 100%. But to me personally, the, the stem of the problem is the fucking quack. It's the person committing the fraud. Not well, the people they, who are and, getting... And they should definitely be the ones, uh, you know, pr- uh, prosecuted and all that. But, you know, to... <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel, I feel like it's like 50% of the responsibility falls on the person too, man. Because like no one, no one's holding a gun up to your head to go to this guy. It's like you made that choice and... yeah. And it's like, you know, that's what you get. Maybe next time you won't, you know, it's a hard lesson learned, I guess you could say, you know, like an expensive or even. um, Do you feel that way about every fraud, like the log cabin guy? Or is that a different? No, no, that's a completely different thing. That that guy was literally a jackass who fucked people over by, uh, you know, not not promising a magical cure. He was promising something that is a tangible, see it, feel it thing Uh you know so that's completely different story so trying to sandbag me over here mike on my own podcast (laughs) how dare you you son of a no i was just i was just trying to hear you know a different viewpoint i was trying to just throw another case out there i know just to see what your thoughts are when it comes to different fraud cases i'll just to me i think they're equally as equally as egregious for me personally and, and this one even more so because he, he actually legitimately killed people. Spoiler alert. We're probably more than likely going to die anyway, eventually. But uh, they died a lot quicker because of his treatments. So... Uh, she was happy when she met Kaplinger. Although U.S. doctors claim that Helen was cancer-free, that's a, okay. Like when you're talking about like, oh, it's on you. At this point, it kind of I, I I lean towards your viewpoint here because w- she's not really in desperation mode here. She was cancer-free at this point, so why was she even doing this? That's my question. Um, you know, I, I, well, you know, maybe it, it it was in remission and she just wanted it totally gone, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, if you were had cancer and then it went into remission, that's great that it went into remission, but I, I don't know for me personally, I'd still be like, damn, dude, I want this out of me completely. I don't want to ever, I don't want there to be a chance that it ever comes I know back. that, that would be nice, but that, that's, uh, unlikely. <laughs> With most cases of cancer, so um, cancer sucks. It does one hundred percent. I got a, I got a professor who's in chemotherapy, like, and I'm worried about him because of the coronavirus thing. You know, at the at the on campus, I'm surprised he's even going to come to campus right now. My boss from uh, the wedding company I work for, uh, he he stepped down from the company like a few years ago to pursue 
uh, a career in real estate, but uh, he he's he uh, he's got about a month left to live because he's got all kinds of brain tumors mm. and shit from uh, mm. can't some some spindle cell carcinoma or some shit like that on his back. I, f- I feel mm. awful, you know, because he trained me to do weddings and all that, and you know, it's just a sh- it's a shame. It is. It's also a shame that uh, you have cancerous people like De- Dr. Gregory Kaplinger. So Mike, I, have I ever told you that you're you're a fucking spinster of words? You're you're <laughs> you're like a oh, like a goddamn thank poet. <laughs> so Kaplinger uh, said that she had a tumor that needed aggressive treatment, which is bullshit, like his whole thing. But that's how he keeps getting people to agree and stay in his shanty town of a hospital because he just manipulates them and abuses their trust. Gets them scared. So, uh, the next morning, however, Helen's husband, William, called her and told her that Kaplinger was not a doctor at all. Instead, he was a con man who had scammed investors and patients out of millions of dollars with the fake drug Immustem. And apparently he figured this out from a friend of his who went to this website called quackwatch.com. And they actually interviewed the guy who started the site. And he seems like a quite a character, if you ask me. And uh, I just, I just love saying that quack watch. <laughs> I hope that's still around because there are one hundred. There's there's a one hundred percent certainty that there's still these fraudster doctors around. Well, let's see. In today's day and age. Uh, now it's cent- the Center for Inquiry. Oh man, sucks. Uh. The Center for Inquiry strives to foster a secular society based on reason, science, freedom of inquiry, and humanist values. What the hell? <laughs> Who's going to watch Quacks now? Who's going to watch well, the Quacks? Well, it's still... It's still... It's got, like, articles here saying skeptic spam scam. And why we... I don't know. It's... I, I don't I, I guess some people... There's probably some other alternative that exists. You would you would hope so, at least. Well, it, yeah. Maybe I Yelp mean, reviews or maybe some other stuff. Yeah. Google. But anyway, uh, he figured it out through Quack Watch. And apparently, Kaplinger was also wanted by the FBI, who believed that the drug was filled with illegal steroids, vitamins, and other medical fluids in other words kaplinger was a medical imposter who preyed on the families of the dying he never even had gone to medical school and he had made several fake diplomas uh i, I also want to give uh, props to the actor that they had play kaplinger like the guy did a great job yeah. of playing this douchebag i agree he had this whole demeanor about him that was just the typical manipulative jerk and he would do that he'd have this he'd, he'd be talking and and a soft uh well-spoken kind of demeanor and he would always turn it back on the patient and be like oh no you don't want to leave because i can save you right it gets it, the, the 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 patient uh seems to get much worse before they get better that's how the drug works there's, it, it's yeah. supposed uh-huh. to look like they're getting worse, and that's when the drug starts really kicking in. Uh huh. God, how can sure. how can you how can you like sleep at night? You know, like telling people that bullshit. 
Like, oh, it looks like he's, he's dying. He's a sociopath. Yeah, he, again, you have to really believe your own line of bullshit when you're one of those people, I guess. So, uh, he made several fake diplomas. Helen went to his office, demanded her money back, and Kaplinger gave her half of her $40,000. Now, in the spectrum of scams that we've covered, this chick got off like the luckiest in that aspect yes. because getting yes. any money back was a surprise to me and half yes it was that's like incredible i'm surprised he wasn't like i'll give you two thousand dollars and then you know give you the rest of the money later or i uh or i'll be like sorry no return or write a bum check you know you write a bum check that's what i was expecting i was expecting the check to uh robert stack to announce but the check had bounced you know I feel like but I feel that's, like that's something that, that Robert Stack would have said as Elliot Ness before he shot someone. The check has bounced. <laughs> <laughs> as he bounces bullets off yeah. of the criminal's chest. So they she got half of her money back, which honestly is pretty spectacular considering, you know, what normally happens with these fraud cases. And uh they show the guy's office, and it, it, it's just comical. It's just like all these the frame diplomas, like just stacked one on top of each other, essentially, <laughs> on the wall. The list of accolades is just so long that it's just multiple pages, and he's just got like 50 diplomas. It's just like, who buys into this bullshit? Apparently people did. Desperate people. So she was one of the lucky ones, uh, Helen. There were plenty of others that never made it out of Santo Domingo. Linda and David Shernan had put their faith in Kaplinger when it seemed as if David had no other options. Just three years into their marriage, David was diagnosed with hepatitis C. Two years later, he needed a liver transplant, but they couldn't find a donor. They decided to gamble with Linda's inheritance and go to Santo Domingo. David's treatment began immediately, but instead of getting better, it appeared that he was getting worse. However, Kaplinger assured the Chernins that David would improve, because he's a slick bastard. So he, he turns everything around and, and, and tries to pull the chemotherapy explanation, like Josh was talking about earlier, where he's just like, oh, you know, uh, the, the, the wife's like, he, doctor, he's not getting any better. I, I think he's getting worse. Well, uh, that's because... In order for him to get better, he has to get worse. <laughs> then, uh, so you have this whole deal with uh, this manipulative, slick bastard of, of a doctor and Dr. Kaplinger. And her husband, who's already really ill, is getting sicker and sicker. I thought the segment did a really great job showing how sick... Her husband was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was so believable that I got chills at one point because there was a shot that looked like you were watching the moment when the life was about to leave from the guy's eyes. Right. Yeah. It looked like, very it was realistic. Really, yeah, it was very realistic. So as the weeks went by, Linda noticed how unsanitary the hospital was. She noticed that more than half of the time there was no water or electricity. She also noticed that there were lizards and cockroaches crawling around the room. Ugh. Apparently, when my mom lived in Hawaii, speaking of lizards, they, they had a gecko problem. 
They had cockroaches too, but geckos as well. So apparently in Hawaii, you 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 not only get bugs, but you get lizards. <laughs> Wait, were they like an invasive species in Hawaii or something? I don't know. I think they might have been a, na- a natural species, a native species, but uh, they just were a nuisance. There'd just be geckos everywhere. I don't know. I mean, what would be worse to you? Big, like, lizards or cockroaches? That's like no contest. Cockroaches, right? Yeah. I know for some it might be you know reptiles or something like that. They get freaked out by that a little bit more. But I, I definitely see what you mean. Like the geckos can eat the cockroaches, right? So maybe just leave, let them, let them hang around and eat the bugs. There you go. <laughs> so uh, although David was unable to get out of bed, Linda was determined to leave the hospital and bring him back to the United States to see his son. And that was a really sad scene to watch to see this actor who is doing such a believable job playing sick barely audibly speak to his wife and say i want to go home i want to see my son and so sadly just 24 hours after arriving in the united states david chernin passed away i hope he at least got to see his son one last time and in 2000, Kaplinger was tried and convicted of wire fraud and money laundering in North Carolina, but he did not show up for sentencing and has not been seen since. But he was captured. In July of 2001, while Unsolved Mysteries was producing this story, Kaplinger turned himself over to the authorities in the Dominican Republic. He had been living there for two years. He was extradited to the United States to face wire fraud and money laundering charges. In Philadelphia, he was found guilty of several counts of wire fraud and money laundering. He was sentenced to 14 years in prison in order to pay restitution of $1 million to his victims. In July of 2009, Kaplinger died while serving his prison term. William Root, who was filmed in the segment, died in September 2014. Um, The restitution doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh... Because there's a lot of these fraud cases where they're ordered to pay restitution, but if they don't have the money or they don't reveal their assets to uh, the courts, nobody's going to get anything. And I wouldn't be surprised if that wound up being the case here. Especially since he died. Like, how do they how do they deal with all of that after the criminal dies? The restitution, uh, probably from his estate. But if his estate doesn't really have anything, then I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and I know one of the uh, victims was interviewed, and she was talking about like why, you know, is he not getting convicted of murder? You know, he was not getting tried for murder, and I guess the reason why is because it it's easier for the courts to convict him of wire fraud and money laundering and that enables him to be put in prison as soon as possible yeah sometimes they have to do stuff like that and they caught him and he was like in a wheelchair probably just so he wasn't in good health to begin with but you know serves him right taste of his own medicine yep should have gave should have given him a, bunch of IVs of emu stem 
I bet he's got a tiny little stem. <laughs> you got any more thoughts about this quack doctor? No, I just really liked the segment because the hospital, uh, I liked the hospital design, how they made it look all crappy and, and you know, yeah. it was like no one was there and it was just, it, it just, it, uh, it reeked of like tet- tetanus and, you know, hepatitis yeah. in there. It was just like... Kind of reminded me of the, the hospital at the end of Man on the Moon. Uh, where Andy Kaufman goes overseas into South America somewhere to get that, what is it, psychic surgery done to remove a tumor, and it just looks seedy and and dirty and yeah, and the uh, the ten people who are listening to this who remember that scene from that movie in the late '90s are probably really happy you brought that comparison right now. I'm surprised you haven't seen. Why? That Why are you surprised? Because it's a it's a biopic of you know based on someone who was actually involved with a lot of you know the media and so on and so forth and comedians. What don't you understand about I have only seen ten movies in my entire life? <laughs> and of course, you have the REM song. I, that's that that's actually one of my least favorite REM songs. It's just yeah. there's just not much to it. The verse is boring. He's just kind of talking through, you know, talk singing, and uh, the chorus is, you know, it, it it it's almost explosive, but doesn't quite hit it for mm-hmm. me. Kind of misses. What's your favorite REM song? Oh, geez, my favorite REM song. Um, geez, the first one that comes to mind. One of my favorites is probably "Welcome to the Occupation" off of 1988's Document album. Mm-hmm. Um, just that whole album is really good. Um, oh, Carnival of Sorts it, it yeah. is. Uh, that was on their first album, Chronic Town. Uh, that that was uh, that I really like that one a lot. Um, I don't know. Oh man, I should do an REM best to worst tier review. Yeah. Um. All right. So we're gonna. Sounds like you're pretty passionate about. Uh, I'm be a basic bitch and, no, and choose uh, losing my religion. Oh, that's very basic. <laughs> very basic. But I forgive you. At least you didn't say stand or like uh shiny happy people. <laughs> I shiny happy I'm 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 not really a big fan of that song. I like that better than uh Man on the Moon. Although both of them suck. Um <laughs> you know, they're not perfect band. Everyone has, you know, but they were hit songs, you know, to boot. So, what do I know? Uh, we're going to finish this podcast off on uh, one of our listeners, uh, family members, was uh, killed by their uh, uncle, great uncle, according to this article. And I told uh, this person that I would uh, talk about it. Um, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of details here. And I asked our listener, uh, Jade, um, more info, and, and he wasn't really able to uh, tell me or enlighten me on uh, the motive behind this, but I'll read it nonetheless because I said I would, you know, like a month ago, and we're just now getting to it. So anyway, um, murder charges have been filed against a 51-year-old man accused of fatally shooting two 18-year-olds who were living on his property outside Goldendale in south-central Washington. The Yakima Herald Republic reports that the deaths were the first homicides in Klitatat County. That is a click, click attack. Clit attack? I thought you said clit attack. Uh, well, I said clit attack, which does sound like clit attack. 
Clickitat County since 2013. I love how we oh, name I love how we name literally everything in this country after Native Americans whose land we stole and then <laughs> genocided. And then in like some sick form of uh pat on the back, we're like, but don't worry, we're still gonna name everything after you. You can't live here anymore. Uh, and we killed most of you, but we're going to name our, most of our states and counties after you. Is, is, isn't that better? Uh, anyway, so clit attack, clit, clitoris attack, county, sh- <laughs> that's what I'm calling it from now on, clit attack. Clit attack, county sheriff sergeant Eric Anderson says April Reed and her boyfriend Justin Plunkett were repeatedly shot Thursday about eight miles northwest of Goldendale. Hawkins was Reed's great uncle. The couple had recently moved from Oregon and were living in a tent on the property. So, you know, there are some uh, hippie folks coming to, you know, soak up the hippiness in in Oregon. Uh, Authorities say Hawkins also engaged in a gun battle with his sister, firing into her trailer as she fired back blindly. Neither was hit. Two motorhomes and a shed were also burned. Hawkins eventually surrendered to police. Hawkins was placed into a patrol car while the deputy went to investigate, and at some point he stopped breathing. He was taken to a Portland hospital for treatment. So did he live? Uh, I think according to Jade, he died. Okay. So maybe he had some kind of dementia, or well, he was only fifty-one though, so it's not like he was. You can still, you. I think you can still have stuff like that. Why would you do that to your uh, your niece? You know, like why would you just shoot? I mean that that boyfriend must have been a real like punk ass or something to to yeah. want to take it to that level. I mean, or if they were squatting there and he didn't know, but I mean that you know if he if she's related to him, I doubt she would have yeah. just put up a tent without saying anything. Well, I mean, speaking anything. of speaking of like people live in tents and all that in 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 the in Oregon. I, I don't live in Portland right now, but every time I drive down there, you just see them everywhere. Oh really? Tents are hot in Oregon. Yes, tents are hot. Portland, under the overpass, you know, stuff on the side of the road. You know, it, it's it, it's very prevalent. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an actual shanty town somewhere in downtown Portland. Damn, I can almost smell the patchouli oil from here. Do you have anything like that where you're where you're where you are at? Not really, although every now and then if you look in, like, like by gas stations and shit, if there's, like, a wooded area by a gas station, if you look through the thicket of trees, uh, oftentimes you will see tents back there, which to me is kind of scary, like, yeah, like, like forest people, although I know they're probably just homeless and needing some kind of seclusion or shelter, but it's still kind of like, yikes, you know, like, what, what, what kind of shit goes on out there, you know? You gotta wonder, mountain men. Well, not I. More like you know, bad decision or bad circumstance stance happening to them, men. Wow, that was a really graceful sentence. Um, all right. Well, that is the. That's the kind of sentence that that occurs when you're doing a podcast hungover. Well, I will say <laughs> I'm a little bit more energized now than I was at the beginning of the podcast. I think uh, the coffee has something to do with that. Um, so thankfully I can hopefully get some shit done tonight. Um, cause Tuesday is usually the day I try to get shit done 
Um, What's your hangover cure? Do you have one? Uh, Klonopin, food, and finding something to distract myself from my hangover. <laughs> uh, you definitely want to eat when you wake up with a hangover, even though if, if your hangover is bad enough, you don't have an appetite. My hangover wasn't that bad, honestly. I didn't even feel sick. I just, I've, the main symptom I get from drinking too much is I just feel exhausted the next day because you just do not get the same quality of sleep when you're drunk as you do when you're sober. You don't go into that so, deep REM sleep. Yeah. Speaking um, of REM. I don't really drink, but um, I notice that happens when I have too much caffeine. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'll wake up the next day, and then you're just really worn out because you didn't really get much sleep at all because it took you so long to get to sleep. And then when that happened, it wasn't good sleep. Right. So. Well, yeah, that's why you I've probably shouldn't just, drink coffee a few hours before bedtime. I've been, bur- I mean, I'm bur- burning the midnight candle for a few days because I'm trying to get all this work done for school and all this other stuff. And on top of all that, I'm a night owl. And so I've got the habit of staying up late. Same so. here. But see, I have a job where I have to stay up late. So even if I, even if I didn't, even if I wanted to go to bed early, it's not like I have that luxury. You know, it's like, uh, what am I going to go to bed early, like, you know, four days out of the week, and then the three days I work, I- I'm going to, you know, stay up late. I'm not going to put my body through that yo-yo schedule. But, um... I feel ya. Anyway, <laughs> um, what else was I going to say? I think that was it. Uh, that's a podcast this week. If you want to join us on Facebook, you can join our Facebook group, which is uh, better than our fan page, because Facebook fan pages are uh, ass. They're, they're, uh... They're not good. What's funny is I, I read your I read your mind there. Like I I literally thought like ass. Yeah. <laughs> like ass just immediately came to mind. Yeah, they just suck. Um they, they shove your they shove your <laughs> if you post anything on our page, they just shove your comment off to the side where no one can read it. And it's like just not interactive at all. So join our group. Go to Facebook.com and in the search bar type in uncovering unexplained mysteries. And you can join a group of a bunch of uncovering uh, unexplained mysteries fans and unsolved mysteries fans and paranormal and all kinds of other people and just some randos in there that say non sequitur shit that can sometimes be funny or sometimes it can get them removed. You never know what you're going to get. So join that group. Uh, You can consider uh, donating to us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. There's benefits on there. Um, and if you like me and Mike, but maybe you want to check out, uh, some of our separate video content that we do, you want to see what our beautiful mugs look like, hop on over to our YouTube channels. Uh, you can find Mike at youtube.com slash OCP communications. He is a movie man. What was the last video that you did, Mike? So the last, uh, review that I uploaded was for an Eddie Murphy film called Metro, uh, that also has Michael Rappaport in it. Uh, Eddie Murphy plays a hostage negotiator. It's uh, I think it's a legitimately underrated action thriller. One of Eddie's last good movies. So um, I, I would definitely recommend it if you like action thrillers or if you're a fan of Eddie Murphy. I also watched a bunch of other random stuff that I'm probably going to be posting in the near future. Uh, I got a bootleg Blu-ray set recently of the TV show Freddy's Nightmares. 
which is a tie-in to the Nightmare on Elm Street series. It was a horror anthology show that was hosted by Freddy Krueger. So, and it was actually produced by Gilbert Adler, who would go on to also co-produce Tales from the Crypt. So it's a proto Tales from the Crypt in some ways, because you have a horror host making puns and quips and stuff like that. Uh, so I think that's kind of kind of an interesting sort of thing. But really, it's it's for diehard Fred heads. Like if you're not really a diehard Fred head, that I, I don't I'm not, I don't know if I'd recommend the show because yeah. it's clearly late '80s, low budget, uh, syndicated television. So, um, but I have some fun with it. Cool. If you want to check out my YouTube channel, it is YouTube.com/slash/dancingwithghosts. Not dances with ghosts. Not dancing with ghosts, but dancing with ghosts. The amount of people who fuck up our band name blows my mind every time. <laughs> you should just you should just say it's like dancing with wolves, but with ghosts. If I could go back in time and kill <laughs> Kevin Costner so he wouldn't make dances with wolves, I would. Cause that fucking movie is the everyone's <laughs> reference point for dancing with or dances with. I know. It but... drives me crazy. I didn't even think, and there's younger people. I'm like, there's no way you've seen Dances with Wolves. Why are you saying Dances with Ghosts? That doesn't even make <laughs> sense, Dances with Ghosts. Like, multiple dances with multiple ghosts, maybe? I don't know. But anyway, that's, it's YouTube.com slash... He who dances with ghosts. YouTube.com yeah. slash Dancing <laughs> with Ghosts. And uh, the last video I did was still the Pink Floyd... Uh, ranking Pink Floyd's albums, although I, I have a video in the works, and it is tentatively titled, Christian Grunge Was a Thing and It Was Weird. <laughs> I am really looking forward yeah, to that so. one. That, that sounds hilarious. Christian Grunge. Oh, yes. I and, and I am mining all the way from my childhood on this one, folks, so a lot of nostalgia in this video. I don't know if it's a good nostalgia, but... There it is. Do you like any Christian grunge? No, no, I don't. I don't like any <laughs> Christian music where the whole purpose of the of the music is uh, basically propaganda about why you need to be a Christian and why God's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, Christian music, for the most part, like I can't stand because a lot of it's just way too preachy. Well, it's just inauthentic. There, there are songs that play at work that I'm just like, oh my God, stop. Like, oh, God is an awesome God or whatever the fuck that song is. I'm just like, shoot me. It's like when you're <laughs> when you're solely trying to pre like win people over to your religion and you're doing it through writing catchy music i mean to me that's that's proper that's a form of propaganda I, sw I swear all of these these big christian rock songs they sound the same and they all sound like the lead singers and the band is brainwashed and they just they just sound like they're a part of a cult to me. Now, like these songs really do have this culty vibe to oh them. Oh yeah, like for even sure. Even more so than songs from death metal bands. <laughs> I mean, well right, because you know the death metal bands, they're just doing it because it's like, you know, it's for fun. They're not trying to actively convert you to anything. But like Marilyn Manson isn't trying to convert you to the Church of Manson. Marilyn Manson, it, all he was was an art experiment. That's all it was. It wasn't. He wasn't trying to uh, win kids over to the devil. It was all an art experiment, and he was. He will be the first one to tell you that that whole pro Marilyn Manson project was an art installation, essentially. Um, 
But there are some artists out there like Joy Electric. They're they're a, a group that is that puts the music first and the songwriting first and the fact that they happen to be Christian second. So it's like, yeah. yes, we happen to be Christians, but this is not a quote unquote Christian band. I mean, even if you're not a fan of Skillet, they don't like explicitly usually sing about Jesus Christ and converting people from what I've been hearing from their music. So it, it's... And I don't have it, a problem with that. It can that. be interpreted like, that way. I don't have a problem with that. it's not preaching. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that to me. It, it's when... It's when your sole purpose is to proselytize to people through music, and that is your only goal. Because then I feel like you're trying to sell me something in in your music, and I don't want to be. Well, how can you how can you sing about Christ or you know any other religious religious figure if that isn't ultimately your goal? What do you mean? Unless you're, unless, I mean, I'm just talking about like a song that, that features, you know, Jesus or Christ or any other religious figure when you're talking about that. I mean, there, there are instances where you have songs that mention it or are singing about uh, the resurrection or whatever, but they're not necessarily Christian or, or, or preaching to you. They're just singing about it. But that's, that's, that's a, a rare occasion. It seems like most of the time when you hear songs about like, that explicitly use Jesus or Christ in the lyrics, they seem to be pretty preachy. Right. Or God. In particular, I'm definitely in the genre of Christian music, which is understandable. It's Christian music. That's, that's, that's the audience that they're trying to appeal to. They also sound incredibly generic, most of them. Like, so generic. Well... With the video I'm doing, it's, 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 uh, you know, Nirvana got big, and then you had these Christian bands that were around before grunge, and then grunge comes out, and now all of a sudden, DC Talk, and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, fucking jars of clay and uh fucking stripers trying to be a, a, a now all man. of a sudden they're I'm, putting these you know jesus yeah jesus yeah it's like oh this is so <laughs> this is so cringy like it's like creed wouldn't they all decide they want to be scott staff no this was before <laughs> creed even thought about coming out creed was later in the 90s and mm. and they they were, they were. I was just talking about the voice vocal. Oh well, yeah, vocalies. Yeah, Creed is a different kind of story for me. Uh, they they are Scott Stapp is Christian, I guess, but they they weren't necessarily trying to preach to anyone. And no. I think their first record was actually really good. Um, he was just kind of writing about kind of his own beliefs and his own thing and. I think for him, it's like, this is what I'm going through. If you believe it, cool. If not, whatever. But, you know, DC Talk is probably the biggest example. They were trying to convert your ass. They were trying to get a message across to you that God is our Lord and Savior and you must believe in him. Anyway, I don't want to get all on this you know, topic. I don't want to <laughs> blow my whole load for my videos. But I'll, I'll make sure to let but, everyone know when that comes out yeah. and you can 
check out. And folks, if you're religious or you're into mm-hmm. any of that, you know, that's cool. We we don't have a no, problem. No, I know. I don't I don't care if you're Christian, that's fine, whatever. I mean, I I'm not, but you know, I respect your beliefs, you know, and I, you know, would would hope that you would respect my non-beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but it's true. Like, I mean, if if people are outside of your religion are willing to respect and appreciate your religion, then you should be able to respect and appreciate uh, the people who don't believe in it right? equally as much. Well, on that note, I am going to go take a shit, but uh, until next week, uh, be safe, and uh, we will talk to you later. Goodbye. See ya. Just want to remind everyone who might be a fan of my band, Dancing with Ghosts, that we have new shirts for sale. It's like a Brady Bunch theme, but with all the characters from our music videos. If that's not a shirt you can wear to your cousin's bat mitzvah, I don't know what is. The link to purchase the new shirt is in the description of this podcast. Bye.